What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC card going down tomorrow night, June 19th, 2021, headlined by the Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. This 12-fight card will take place in the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, and will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last podcast, the UFC 263 card. We did predict 10 out of 14 fights correctly on the podcast and profit 2.7 units to bring us to a total yearly profit of plus 14.3 units. We've been on a great streak on the Martian MMA podcast. And here's some statistics for you for the past 12 events on our official track bets. We have won on 10 of the past 12 UFC events, risking 59 units, profiting 28 units for an ROI of around 46.5%. And the podcast picks during that time have been hitting at 68%. So we're on a great streak of events of bets and picks. I hope everybody who's listening has been able to tail some of those bets and picks along the way and make some money themselves because that's what this is all about, giving you the best bets, giving you the best opportunities to make some money on betting on these UFC fights. And we have another 12 fights and 12 opportunities to make some money tomorrow night. So let's get into the first fight on the card, which takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Laura Procopio as the minus 157 favorite taking on Casey O'Neill as the plus 137 underdog. I do already have a bet tracked in this fight, and that is one unit on Procopio's money line at minus 122. As you can see, the price has changed quite a bit. It's now at minus 157, so I definitely got in at the right time, and I hope you are able to get in on that same bet as well. You can follow me on my Bet MMA Tips page to get email notifications whenever I send out a new bet. But where the price is at now, minus 157, I do think it has gotten into dog or pass territory. I'm not quite comfortable with putting Procopio at minus 157, and I do think O'Neill has a good window to win this fight with her grappling. O'Neill seems like a pretty one-dimensional fighter, and that dimension is grappling. She doesn't really have much striking skill, so when the fight is on the feet in the striking range, I do favor Laura Procopio pretty heavily, and she should be winning those striking exchanges there. So O'Neill is going to need to get the fight to the floor if she wants to win, and Procopio actually has pretty solid takedown defense can hit her own offensive takedowns, can stay in top position, and I think Laura is competent enough of a grappler to stop the takedown attempts of O'Neal, to avoid getting put on her back for too long, and to outstrike Neal when it's on the feet. So I'm trusting Procopio here. Where the line is at now, I do think it is dog or pass, but some props for this fight is the ends by submission prop at plus 700. That means if either woman submits each other, you would win the bet, and that's at 7-1 to odds. I think that's pretty good. That covers most of O'Neal's win condition, and we might actually see Procopio land a submission as well. And O'Neal does slow down as the fight goes on, so I think that Procopio should have the better cardio in rounds two and three. And I think those round two, round three props for Procopio are pretty juicy at 16 and 24 to 1. So maybe stab on some of those props. Once again, the current money line price, I would say, is Dogger Pass. We got in on Procopio early at minus 122. We're going to ride with that money line bet. And in terms of an official pick, let's go with. Procopio by decision. I think that she could find a finish in the later rounds here, but let's go with the decision pick just to be safe. Procopio by decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Joaquim Silva as the minus 135 favorite, taking on Rick Glenn as the plus 115 underdog. Both these guys are coming off pretty hefty layoffs. Glenn hasn't fought in about two and a half years and is moving up a weight class here to lightweight. And Silva hasn't fought in about two years as well, coming off of a knockout loss to Nasrat Hackbrass. Glenn also coming off of a loss to Kevin Aguilar. He was outboxed and hurt multiple times throughout that fight. And Glenn is also coming off of a hip surgery a year or two ago. So that's definitely a concern over Glenn. 
And in Glenn's last fight against Aguilar, he just didn't really do well with the orthodox striking of Kevin Aguilar. Wasn't seeing the punches coming very well, got rocked a few times in that fight, and also ate a lot of right body kicks from the orthodox stance from Aguilar. And I think he will face a lot of similar problems here against Joaquim Silva. Silva is not an elite striker, but I do think he is very good. He can dig to the head and body with his boxing. He can target the body with his knees and kicks as well. And that body work is really what led him to the comeback victory against Jared Gordon not that long ago. That was an incredible fight. You should go rewatch that if you haven't seen it lately. So in this matchup, I'm not extremely confident in either side because both guys are coming off those long layoffs, but I am slightly willing to trust Joaquim Silva a little bit more. I do have a bet tracked on him in this fight, one unit at minus 118 odds. Where the odds are at now, I think there's a little bit of value left on Silva, but I would cap him at around minus 150, and I wouldn't go too crazy on his money line at this price with those long layoffs. And maybe Rick Glenn looks better here, moving up a weight class. Maybe he looks rejuvenated coming off that long layoff, but... Personally, I'm pretty reluctant to trust Rick Glenn with how he looked in that last fight against Kevin Aguilar, especially because Kevin Aguilar has done pretty bad since that fight. So I don't think that that loss has aged very well for Rick Glenn. And I think that I trust Joaquin Silva to get the job done here a little bit better. So the pick for me is going to be Silva by decision. But the fight ending by knockout, the fight ending under two and a half rounds, ending inside the distance is a possibility here. I think those all have pretty good odds. That's a pretty popular bet amongst betters this week. It's like plus 175 for the fight to end inside the distance when both these guys are coming off pretty long layoffs and neither guy has the best defense either so maybe look into those props but personally i'll be picking joaquin silva by decision the next fight takes place in the heavyweight division where we have josh parisian as the minus 140 favorite taking on roque martinez as the plus 120 underdog I think this line is pretty appropriately set. I do slightly favor parisian in this matchup i think the striking exchanges will be very even between these two Martinez has decent boxing, has decent leg kicks, and Parisian put up a good output in his first UFC fight against Parker Porter, but just ran into a tough test against Porter and was outmatched in that fight. But Roque Martinez was also outmatched in both of his UFC fights, getting outgrappled and submitted by Romanov and getting outstruck by Dante Mays for most of their fight. I will say that he does seem pretty durable. He does have some decent cardio for a fat guy, and his boxing and leg kicks aren't that bad. But I do think the Parisian should be pretty even in the striking exchanges here, and Parisian should have the grappling advantage as well. Parisian hit takedowns in most of his regional UFC fights, and I think he's going to go back to that here with how glaringly obvious Martinez's ground game hole is that Romanoff exploited. I think that Parisian should be able to hit takedowns and stay on top here. So I'm slightly favoring Parisian because I think he could win the striking and the grappling while Martinez really only has the option to win the striking. Martinez's offensive grappling is just not up to par and I don't think he's going to be able to take down Parisian here. So the pick for me is going to be Parisian by decision, but another juicy prop for this fight is Parisian by submission at 26 to 1. I think the Parisian will be looking to get this fight to the floor and Martinez has been submitted a few times before. So 26 to 1, I'm down to take a stab on that and the pick for me is going to be Parisian by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Chaos Williams as the minus 151 favorite taking on Matt Semmelsberger as the plus 131 underdog. I do have another bet tracked on this fight and that is a .75 unit bet on Semmelsberger's money line at plus 145 odds. I got in a few days ago and again beat the live movement as it is sitting at around plus 130 right now. I think this fight will mostly come down to grappling because in the striking, I do give Chaos Williams a slight striking advantage. He has that big power in his hands. He's got solid leg kicks. He's just an overall decent striker. While Semmelsberger is definitely still improving in the striking and not quite on the level of Williams yet. When the fight is in striking range, I do think that Williams is going to be live to land that knockout with his hands at any time. 
But in general, I think that Williams is still getting a bit overvalued coming off those two quick knockouts when he first got into the UFC. I guess the short notice knockout over Morona was pretty impressive, but knocking out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan doesn't mean as much now that we've seen Al-Hassan lose multiple fights in a row in dominant fashion. So I don't think that win means very much. And then his last fight was a kind of medium tempo kickboxing match against Michel Pereira, where he didn't really show that same knockout power or that same ability to set up his strikes against an elusive and athletic striker. We haven't really seen Williams grappling tested in the UFC much. He did get briefly taken down by Michel Pereira, but you really have to go into his regional footage to find more of his grappling tape, and he doesn't look like the best grappler. He looks like he can be taken down and stuck on bottom, and I think that's what Matt Semmelsberger is going to try to exploit here. Semmelsberger did wrestle in high school, comes from a wrestling background, so I think he's going to have the ability to get the takedowns here. He also has hit takedowns and a good amount of his regional fights as well, so if Semmelsberger comes in with the right game plan, and that's not to fool around on the feet, not to give that striking range to Williams and to get the fight to the floor, I think he has a great chance at outgrappling Chaos Williams here to a decision victory. And even when it's on the feet, I don't think that Williams is as great of a striker as people are making him out to be. I think those early knockouts are still overrating Williams a bit here. So I like Semmelsberger as an underdog. Not an extremely big bet because I do think that Semmelsberger could get knocked out on the feet at times here. But I will be picking Semmelsberger to wrestle his way to a decision here. And that is going to be my pick and a bet. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Virna Jandradova as the minus 134 favorite, taking on Kanako Murata as the plus 114 underdog. Right off the bat, I gotta mention, this is a great matchup between two great female grapplers. I'm really looking forward to see how this one plays out. Probably one of my more anticipated women's fights all year, to be honest. This is grappler versus grappler, but I'll start with talking about the striking because neither woman is really good at striking. I think that Verna might be a little bit better, but I think both of them are bad enough on the feet that there's no real way to predict who's going to win the striking exchanges here. I think they'll be even back and forth exchanges, and neither woman will be emphatically winning the fight in the eyes of the judges while it's standing. The grappling positions, I think, are really going to determine who is winning this fight. And in the grappling, I will say that Maranta is the better wrestler. She comes from a wrestling background. Verna has the better jujitsu and submission games, but I think that Maranta's wrestling and physicality, maybe strength edge, might be enough for her to win this fight. The reason why I'm hesitant to trust Verna here is her two fights against Carla Esparza and her most recent fight against Mackenzie Dern. In the Esparza fight, she got taken down by Esparza, who's also a great wrestler, and Esparza was able to stay on top for most of that fight. Verna was able to reverse and hit her own takedown a few times, but wasn't able to, able to keep top position for long and spent way too much time on her back there. Didn't show the right urgency to get back up to her feet, and that really cost her the fight. Then in the Dern fight, I noticed that Verna was pretty easily backed up to the cage in that fight. Whenever Dern pressured her and threw a big combination of strikes, Verna didn't really have good footwork, kind of just backed up in a straight line, and didn't really have any idea about how to stop that pressure of Dern. She just went straight back to the fence and was able to get taken down a few times there, and I think that that's what Murata is going to do to her as well. She's going to ambush her with some strikes, a big combination, get Verna moving backwards, get her to the fence, and then that should be Murata's world. I think that Murata is the better clinch fighter. She has that good arsenal of takedowns from the clinch she can hit trips double legs throws all kinds of takedowns and Murata is a really skilled wrestler and I think that Murata's wrestling and her physicality is going to be enough to beat Verna Jandradova here I think that Murata is going to pressure Verna to the cage hit takedowns and stay in top position she's going to have to watch out for some sweeps and submissions off Verna's back but I think that she's a good enough grappler to avoid getting swept or submitted from top position and I think that she's just going to hit takedowns over and over again and win this fight via decision so the pick for me is Kanaka Kanaka Murata by decision. 
haven't decided if I'm betting her yet, but she is the underdog and I am picking her outright. So I probably will end up with a small bet on her, just waiting to see what the odds do. And I do slightly favor Murata in this fight, but it is a justified even line. I think this fight should be kind of around a pick em. Maybe Vern a slight edge with uh, her experience advantage, but I think the wrestling of Murata is going to give Verna real problems here and she's going to outgrapple Verna to a decision. So once again, the pick is Murata by decision. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alexa Kammer as the minus 240 favorite, taking on Nikolao Nergamanu as the plus 205 underdog. My initial thoughts on this line is that Kammer shouldn't be minus 240 against anybody. I mean, the guy is coming off of a decision loss to William Knight where he was taken out and outgrappled for most of that fight. And I don't think William Knight is any good at MMA. So that was an embarrassing loss for Kammer there. And even though Negromano is coming off a long layoff, he hasn't won a fight in three years, all of his wins are over pretty low-level competition on the regional scene, I still think there's some value on him here at the plus 205 underdog line. When I was rewatching some of Nerigamano's regional fights, they were pretty bad, but he did show some decent boxing, some power in his hands, and he did hit a good array of takedowns. I think that's really all I needed to see was him hitting a few takedowns and staying on top of his opponents because if William Knight, who is a terrible fighter and terrible grappler, was able to hit a lot of takedowns in Kamur and outgrapple him for the entire fight, I think that Nerigamano has a good chance of replicating that game plan. So even though he's coming off a long layoff, maybe a USADA suspension, even though he hasn't beaten anybody good, I think that a plus two of five, I'm willing to take a small stab. So I probably Probably will end up with about a half unit bet on Nergamanu uh, money line here. In terms of an official pick, I guess I'll go with Alexa Kamura just by a hedge pick here. Uh, maybe he shows some improvements in his defensive grappling. And when the fight is on the feet, I do think that Kamura should edge the striking exchanges. He has decent boxing, decent leg kicks, but it's going to be competitive throughout. And if Nergamanu can get this fight to the floor, I think he's going to look like a live dog. So I'm willing to take a small stab on Nergamanu here, even though I will be picking Kamura by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Diego Lima as the minus 185 favorite, taking on Matt Brown as the plus 160 underdog. I think this line is pretty accurately set, and even though Diego Lima is not a super trustworthy guy, not the type of guy you want to lay chalk on, I kind of think there's value left on Lima's money line here. Now, no disrespect to Matt Brown, he's a great legendary fighter, but I am pretty comfortable saying that he is a shot fighter. He just does not have the same durability, the same cardio, the same skill he once does, but Unfortunately for him, he is still fighting like he's 30. He's still fighting super aggressive. He's still getting rocked on the way in from exchanges. He doesn't check leg kicks very well. And I think the leg kicks of Diego Lima, the boxing of Diego Lima, is going to give him real trouble in the striking exchanges here. And the only really way I see Matt Brown winning the fight is by getting his grappling going, hitting offensive takedowns, or possibly knocking out Diego Lima on the feet. I think knockout is probably Matt Brown's best chance to win because Lima's takedown defense has actually been looking steadily improving. He had really bad takedown defense a few years ago, but in the Bilal Muhammad fight, his most recent fight, he did stuff 9 out of 10 takedowns in that fight and looked to have improved his defensive grappling a good amount. So I don't think that Matt Brown's going to have an easy time taking Diego Lima down. And even if he does, I don't trust the grappling cardio of Matt Brown to be able to do that for the entire fight. So I'm willing to trust the defensive grappling of Diego Lima to keep this fight on the feet. And I think that Lima's leg kicks and boxing will have good success here. And he's probably going to knock out Matt Brown in the second or third round at some point here. I actually do have a bet tracked in this fight, and that is fight ends by knockout. Not just a half unit bet at plus 210 odds. The line has since dropped a little bit to plus 165, but I still think there's some value there. 
even late into his career, Matt Brown is still a very aggressive fighter. He's a bit fragile with his durability, but he also has some good offensive power coming back at his opponent. So I think he's going to make this a dogfight. He's probably going to kill or be killed. And I think the fight has a great chance to end by knockout. So I have a fight on ends by knockout. And the pick for me will be Diego Lima by second round knockout. I think Diego Lima's knockout line at plus 460 has some value left on it too. So the pick for me is Lima knockout round two. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Bruno Silva as the minus 125 favorite taking on Wellington Terman as the plus 105 underdog. Bruno Silva is making his UFC debut here, but he is coming off of about a two-year layoff, and he's also coming off a USADA suspension. And unfortunately for Silva, even when he was fighting with steroids, he was a pretty bad fighter. When Silva is striking, he pretty much just wings wild and untechnical shots, doesn't really have much setup or composure, his defense doesn't look very good, he's pretty hittable on the feet, and I've also seen pretty bad things with his defensive grappling, he's been taken down, he got held down. If you watch Silva's fights against Rimbone and against Frolov, you see that he really can be taken down quite easily. He lays on his back for long periods of time, and I think a really dedicated grappler should be able to hit takedowns and stay in top position. And Wellington Terman does shoot a good amount of takedowns. He's a skilled fighter in all areas of MMA, but I think he is primarily a grappler, and he's hit takedowns on most of his UFC opponents so far. He's got a good array of trips and double leg takedowns that he can hit, and he can stay on top and keep top position. So I think that that's what's going to happen here. Terman is going to hit takedowns and outgrapple Silva pretty easily here. The striking exchanges should be competitive. I could see Silva maybe hurting Terman with the punch at sometimes on the feet because Terman doesn't have the best defense when he is striking. But I think Terman is going to take the path of least resistance, look to get the fight to the floor, and outgrapple Silva pretty easily here. So Terman's submission prop probably has some value. And that is actually going to be my official pick, Wellington Terman by submission. I did notice that when Silva gets taken down, he gives up his back pretty frequently, and Terman does have good back takes, good have, does have good rear naked choke abilities, and I think that he's likely going to get a back take and submit Silva here in the early rounds. So Wellington Terman by submission is the pick. I have a one unit bet on Terman's money line at plus 116 odds, and I think a small stab on his submission line is worth it as well. So the pick is Wellington Terman by round two submission. Next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Su Wung Choi as the minus 151 favorite, taking on Julian Arosa as the plus 131 underdog. I think this line is a tad wide, and the value is on Julian Arosa here. Now, with Julian Arosa, you always have to be concerned over his defense and his chin liability. He has been rocked and knocked out several times throughout his UFC career, or in his entire MMA career, actually. But good for him is he's fighting Choi here, who doesn't really have the most power. Choi is kind of a point-fighting striker, doesn't really sit down on his strikes too much, and is kind of content to outstrike you to a decision over the full 15 minutes. So I think the threat of a knockout is less severe in this fight as opposed to many of the opponents that have knocked out Julian Arosa. If Arosa can survive those first few hard shots from his opponents and make it late into the fight, he's actually a pretty skilled striker. He can make good mid-fight adaptations, and we saw that in his last fight against Woodson. It's not his last fight, but his second most recent fight against Woodson. He got outstruck early. He started to make changes, started to figure Woodson out, have success pressuring Woodson, and was able to win that fight by a crazy comeback submission in round three. So you can never count Julian Arosa out. He's a dog. He's a good striker and a solid grappler. 
And I don't think he has a good chance at taking Choi down because Choi's takedown defense did look pretty good against Yusef Salal. But I do think that Arosa is the better overall grappler of the two. So if Arosa can somehow get a takedown, maybe off a caught kick, an opportunistic takedown, I think he could do some real work and meaningful work from top position against Choi. Maybe even find a submission because Arosa is pretty slick with those submissions. So I got to pick my boy Juicy J here. He was good to me last fight against Arosa. Won a bet on him. And I just really like the way the guy fights. So I know he's an underdog here. I know he has that chin liability. And I think that Choi is a pretty solid fighter of his own right. But I'm going to be picking... Julian Arosa to withstand those early hard shots. If his chin makes it out of the first round, I think he's going to have really good success in those later second and third rounds. So I'm going to be picking Julian Arosa by decision here. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Marlon Vera as the minus 220 favorite, taking on Davy Grant as the plus 185 underdog. This fight is a rematch of a fight that happened about five years ago. In that fight, Davy Grant won all three rounds. He was able to outstrike Vera on the back foot for the time when the fight was on the feet. And Grant was also able to hit a few takedowns, stay in top position, and just win the fight very convincingly the first time around. Now, I have no doubt that Marlon Vera has improved more of the two over the past five years, but has he improved enough to overcome losing 30-27 to Davy Grant in that fight, to getting outstruck on the feet, to getting outgrappled on the ground? I mean, he lost all areas of that fight. And Marlon Vera has gotten a lot better since then, but has he gotten better enough to really overcome that massive deficit of losing that convincingly? I don't think so. So... That's why I put a bet in on Davy Grant here. I have a one unit bet on him at plus 250 odds. And I'm not extremely confident in him to win the fight. But I just think plus 250 is way too wide considering how dominant of a win the first fight was for Davy Grant. Davy Grant's past two fights were both a lot of fun. He was losing both fights, got dropped in both fights, but was able to come back and knock out both of his opponents. And the guy has real power in his hands. His striking is kind of untechnical, kind of unconventional, but it really works. And he has massive power in both of his hands. So Davy Grant can't be taken lightly. And I think he's going to be live in this fight no matter where it goes. I think the striking will be competitive. I think that either guy could hit offensive takedowns on each other. My biggest concern about Grant losing this fight convincingly is if he gets taken down and stuck on bottom because he doesn't have the best bottom game. Marlon Vera is probably the better overall grappler at this point in their career and Grant wants to keep the fight standing and have his best chance and I think he will make the fight competitive everywhere so I have a one unit bet on him at plus 250 odds. Beat the line moving by a lot because it's currently at plus 185. And I'm not super confident in Grant. I think I will be picking Marlon Vera to win the fight via decision. But I'm expecting this fight to be close everywhere. And if David Grant was able to win the fight like he did the first time around, I wouldn't be too shocked. So one unit David Grant, but the pick is Marlon Vera by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Sergey Spivak as the minus 235 favorite taking on Alexei Olenek as the plus 200 underdog. I think this line is pretty accurate. It could even be a bit wider in favor of Sergey Spivak because Spivak really should not lose to Alexei Olenek. Olenek is so old and slow and one-dimensional. He's looking to get the fight to the floor. He really only can win the fight reliably by submission. I mean, maybe he can win by some crazy knockout here, but that would be a total meme outcome. And Olenek is going to be looking to get the fight to the floor. And he doesn't really have much reliable wrestling to get the fight to the floor in the first place, though. So... Spivak really should be able to avoid that obvious takedown coming from Olenek, and he should be able to just easily outbox Olenek on the feet. Olenek looks extremely slow and hittable. Chris Dawkins lit him up with strikes in the feet and was able to finish him quickly in round one. And I think that Spivak probably does the same thing. It might go a little bit longer. It might go into rounds one or two. Uh, but I do think eventually Spivak gets the knockout here. So I don't typically like betting uh, 
the knockout prop at minus odds at favorite odds but Spivak KO minus 140 here I do think that it is hitting so if you want to lay some chalk on the knockout prop I think that Spivak will get it done by knockout and it should be a pretty one-sided ugly fight and Spivak knockout round two is the pick that brings us to the main event of the car, which takes place in the featherweight division. We have Dan Ige as the minus 130 favorite, taking on the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung as the plus 110 underdog. I agree with Ige being the favorite. I think he could even be more closer to the minus 150, minus 170 range because I do think that Chan Sung Jung is way past his prime. The man has not won a fight outside of round one in nine years. Of course, he was on his way to winning that Yaya Rodriguez decision, but he still managed to fuck that up somehow. So it's just very difficult to put much faith in the Korean zombie here this late into his career, especially against such a dangerous opponent like Dan Ige. And I really think the only way the Korean zombie can win the fight is by knocking out Ige in rounds one or two. But that is a real possibility here because Ige does start slow in some of his fights. He does really get better as the fight goes on. And we have seen him get clipped early on in fights like the Barboza fight most recently. So if Korean Zombie can swarm Ige here early and maybe catch him with some punches when Ige isn't warmed up yet, Korean Zombie does have a small window to win this fight by early knockout. But if Ige is able to survive those rounds 1 and 2 and get into rounds 3, 4, and 5, I think those later rounds heavily favor Dan Ige. Ige has recently battled back from adversity. He's won 3 round fights. He's been in 5 round fights. I think he's just a lot more proven at this stage of his career than the Korean Zombie. And Korean Zombie, as I mentioned, hasn't won a fight outside of round one in nine years. He kind of just swings for the fences early. And if he doesn't get that early round one knockout, he doesn't really have much process. He doesn't really build on his opponents that much. And as you saw in the Yair Rodriguez fight, he allows those fights to be close. He makes stupid mistakes and he could pay, pay for it at any time. Like he got knocked out by Rodriguez there. So I'm just very hesitant to trust Korean Zombie with not winning a fight out of round one in so long. And I think a good way to profit on this fight both ways is to bet Korean Zombie by knockout in round one or two and combine that with Dan Ige money line. And that should be a way to guarantee secured profit. But I do think money line wise, Dan Ige is the side. I think that Ige could win by knockout. He could take Korean Zombie down and out grapple him. He could outbox him as the fight goes in the later rounds. I just think Ige has a lot more ways to win the fight as opposed to Chan Sung Jung, who I think only can really win by early knockout. And if Chan Sung Jung wins outside of round one or two, I would be pretty shocked. So the pick for me is either going to be a late knockout in rounds four or five for Dan Ige or a dominant decision. I think I'm going to go with a dominant decision. Let's go with a 49-46 decision for Dan Ige here. And at minus 130, I do think there is some value left on his money line. I'm not quite sure if I'll be playing his money line, but I would cap him in the minus 150, minus 170 range. So there is some value left and Dan Ige by dominant decision is going to be my pick. So that is going to do it for this week's podcast. We analyzed, predicted, and discussed the betting odds for all 12 fights on tomorrow night's UFC event. Make sure you check my official track bets for the event. I already have several track bets that I've mentioned throughout the podcast. And I've been doing really good on track bets lately. One on 10 of the past 12 events of 28 units in the past 12 events. So we're on a great streak of picks and bets. Hope you're all tailing. Hope you all enjoy the fights tomorrow night. And hope you all win some bets. I'll see you before the next UFC event next week. Peace. <laughs>